I'm with Josh Einson, the casting director for This Is Us. Um, this is a, an amazing opportunity for our little podcast to get to talk to you because we've my, my wife and I are the ones that run the podcast, and we have marveled over the um, the casting over the course of This Is Us, how well-matched the various generation actors have always been. Um, how did you get involved with the show? Let's just start with the basics. Sure. Uh, Tiffany Little Canfield did the pilot of the show, uh, and then when it went to series, when it got picked up, I joined the team in episode two, and that was, it was one of the first things I was doing was looking for the littles. Uh, so we ended up casting Parker as Kevin, uh, Lonnie as Randall, and Mackenzie as Kate. And it was crazy. Like I just I jumped into the show. There were all these characters, and the first thing I'm doing is trying to match right <laughs> um, a younger generation. So nerve-wracking right, right from the beginning. In the world of cast, casting directors, is there any greater challenge than trying to find younger, older versions of, of a character? I don't know. Like, I have not come across them yet. Like, I have not <laughs> found anything more difficult and nerve-wracking, especially because I loved working with Dan Fogelman, and he was very much a perfectionist and, and getting it right. In, in every department for everybody was the job. Like, that's the reason the show was so good was everybody was at the top of their game and did their right. job right but it meant no cheating and there were times where I'd say Dan I don't know where I'm gonna find this the cupboard's dry <laughs> and he just sort of pat me on the back and be like don't worry you will I'm like oh great <laughs> um, but yeah he created something and he created a world where we had to get it right so um I had some real sleepless nights on this show, knowing, and then I was a fan of the show, so, I, like, as, as a viewer, I wanted to get it right, too, so it was very tricky to, to, yeah, to get everybody who didn't just look right, and, and looks weren't even necessarily always as important as feeling right, like, there were a couple, there were a couple of the multi-generational roles where they just didn't look that much like the person that they were playing right like it was close enough but they felt like the actor like there was never a minute where you didn't believe that they had slid right into the part and thankfully the audience went for the ride like their their faith in us was also key to buying that world part of uh part of our coverage for the podcast was getting a kind of a, a pulse of what uh, fellow viewers were thinking by by live tweeting along with the show, and uh, I never never saw a comment like that's not the right person for for a, a very of a, a role. So congratulations, I think you hit it every time. Thanks. I had a great associate who we promoted to casting director this last season named Ryan Taminski, and he was always my first filter. Um, I just would get cross-eyed start like I would forget what Justin Hartley looked like after a little <laughs> while and he was great at being the first round of going through and really sort of narrowing it down for the rest of us to then look at and, and help find the person who looked and felt like they were the right part for the role so it was very much a team effort on this show it was not this is not this is not an easy project where one person could just sit there and be like, "Yeah, I got this." Uh, it, a lot of us 
and all of our filters and, and talent and technique was brought to uh, getting this one right. Were there any moments, especially over, say, hiatus, where the cast comes back, especially the young cast, and you're like, oh, crap, Kate's too tall. <laughs> any moments like that? Thankfully, once they were cast, it wasn't my problem anymore. And, like, you, you guys figure it out. And, like, you wrote the parts, and you know puberty happens, right? So, like, you all... Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kate definitely came back and was taller than the boys, but that's what girls do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was actually one of my favorite little... was when we cast Stuart, the boy that kissed Kate at the pool. Oh, yeah? He was a cute little dorky boy. Um and I remember they said, oh, wait, he's shorter than her. Is that going to be weird? And I'm like, at that age, that's... I was, like, the tallest kid in my class, and I was still shorter than, like, <laughs> all the girls. So... Or I was the tallest boy in my class. So, yeah, he was shorter, and it was awkward, as it should be at that age. Um, in, in terms of... I, I mean, yeah, like... I also thought that was just a sweet part of the show, like watching them all grow up. Right. From like the littles to teens and from the teens to the young adults. And I, I love, I love that they got to experience that as actors. And I love that the audience got to watch them grow up. How did, you know, there were certain elements of the show that, that felt like they needed to be shot out of sequence. Were they, you know, in terms of like keeping the kids the right age for, a certain element that appears later, but it's the younger kid? Well, the finale, the very... I'm spoiling this for anybody. It, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, they done did it. It's over yeah, now. If you haven't seen the finale, <laughs> here it comes. Um, yeah, we shot some of these sequences with the Littles. So Parker, Lonnie, and Mackenzie. Three years ago? Four, it was either end of season two or three. I can't remember. Time has gotten weird I, uh, I understand completely yeah uh, the we, before time the, yeah, exactly the before <laughs> times we shot them when they were still pretty little knowing that Dan wanted them to be in the last episode at that age um, which was very forward thinking of, right. of him um, so yeah there was some great footage otherwise no we, it was all like hair makeup uh, camera angles and getting very creative there were times where, like, little Jack, um, or little little Milo's Jack, uh, Joaquin, he also sprouted. And, but, yeah. But they, he was a great little actor, and they wanted to keep using him, so they just had to sort of get some great camera angles, and, you know, costumes did a good job of, like, putting clothes on him that made him look young and little. Shoot him from far away whenever yeah. he needs to be like full body, right? Yeah, and then there's, you know, you don't want him to stand too close to an adult that's, went, wait a minute, in the last scene, yeah, uh, they were much further apart in height. Um, but then there was, then we ended up having to cast an even younger version of that character because they needed a little one and he had outgrown that. So. Mm-hmm. The one with the sled? The one with the sled, yeah. Whose name was also Milo. Really? Yeah. What a coincidence. He, he did like a one-line part for us in, there was an episode where we went back through all the Jeff generations uh, when Nikki was born, and he was the little two-year-old waiting in the hospital for his ah, brother Michael to be Ironside. Born. And then a few years later, we needed 
the kid back. He was the right age, and we re-auditioned him to make sure that he sort of still looked and felt like Milo, and, and Milo felt like Milo. So, Speaking of Ironside, and people like that, like uh, Sophia Bush and the people that just had like one shot, how did you get just those one shots out of really recognizable faces? I, this is the second time in my career where I was a baby casting associate on the West Wing, and now a casting director on This Is Us, people wanted to do the show. Um, we didn't actually have a huge casting budget to throw at them. It was such a massive show that like, we couldn't, we didn't, we, di- we didn't have any extra money to be like, hey, come and play and we can pay you for it. They were excited to come and do the show. Yeah, so. Sophia Bush, you got John Legend in the same episode, so. That was, um, that was never going to happen. <laughs> And then one of my best friends is, knows his manager and hooked us up. And four days later, John Legend was sitting at the Hollywood Bowl playing to Sophia Bush. Pretty amazing. I talk about not getting any sleep, like pulling that one off. <laughs> and, and he had an hour free. Um, so, wow. To get into his schedule, because he was releasing, I think, a new album, and the, the song they used was from it. And it was Halloween, and he wanted to go be with his kids. and. We Hollywood it, magic made it work, <laughs> and, it, and I'm sitting there. It was an amazing day. I'm like looking at Sophia and Justin sitting in the audience, watching John Legend play a private concert for us. Yeah, it was a nice day. <laughs> Does not happen on most of my shows. When Jennifer Morrison came to the show, um, she was relatively fresh from being a lead from you know Once Upon a Time. We always thought. Even though she wasn't getting a lot of screen time right away, we were like, there's got to be more for her coming. Because why, why would you get a lead to, to, to be a, a bench player, basically? She wanted the part. She came and fought for the part. Like, really? Yeah. She, I mean, it was obviously a very different role than right. Once Upon a Time. And it was, it was very gritty and dark, and she wanted the chance to explore that. Mm-hmm. And she... Yeah, she came and fought for it. And I got to read with her, and it was her and me and Dan and my associate, Ryan, in the room. And it was just one of those magic times where, as I'm reading with her, I'm like, okay, if Dan doesn't cast her, I'm going to be pretty pissed. Because <laughs> she's so good right now and was so in it and, and was amazing in the series. Her episode this, season, this last season uh, in the hospital where she was talking about driving and oh yeah 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 and, yeah, yeah. And choosing to sort of fall asleep at the wheel was one of the most deeply felt heartbreaking moments of the season I just thought she was magnificent and and like we talked about it she said I don't usually get tasked to play those things it was so much fun for her to come she loved everybody on set it's a very warm set and she got to really dig in on a role that is meatier than I mean. Once upon a time was many years, but it was sort of a comic book sort of feel. Uh, yeah, emotionally. And, well, there was still like a lot to play on the show, but like this was a much darker. You know, playing somebody with PTSD and 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 and, and alcoholic and all the other stuff uh, really gave her. I loved the storyline. I. I admit, and I was not like I did not tell anybody this till the show was over. But I was Team Cassidy. <laughs> I know everybody was Team Sophie or uh, Team. Um, oh my God, what's Kate's character? Ma- uh, Madison. I 
forgot her character name for a minute. Um, it's your boss's wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. That's why I like her real name. Um, yeah, I, I, she was the first person I told. And she was a little, she's like, wait a minute. Why were and I said, no, I wanted you to end up with somebody who had treated you better than Kevin. Who treated Madison better than Kevin. And she did. I really liked him. Um, and I get, like, I loved Sophie, too. But I really loved the connection with Kevin and Cassidy and the sort of... The, the understanding each other's dark places in a way, which I get why that that made them great friends. But as a fan, I was Team Cassidy. <laughs> were there were there any um, of the generational castings that were just automatic? You were just like, that's a match. Like as a viewer, young or sorry, teen Beth and and uh, modern Beth were really close. I mean, right on the money. Like could be related. But nerve-wracking because she wasn't on my radar at first. And we had seen somebody who even looked more like Susan, actually. Really? Like a better physical match. Just didn't feel like her. And and really talented young actor, but like just did not feel like Beth. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth has a... In a lot of ways, she's a lot of people's favorite character because she she's so funny and smart and says all the right things at all the right times. She has the best lines in the whole show. Oh, yeah. Like, we, I love Beth's lines. <laughs> she's just... Capiche? Um, she... Yeah, and... and the, she, Rachel had been in a show for a New York office in a tiny role, and they said, hey, she's in L.A., you ought to read her while she's there. And she, as soon as she walked in the door, I'm like, oh... Oh, please let her be good. <laughs> and she knew the show and she knew Susan. So she slid right into Beth, and that was a relief. Niles was another one uh, who played Teen Randall opposite her. He had read early in the process um, and then came. And it's a much longer story, but we had gone with somebody else who was too young. Hmm circled back and in that time he was at that age where like you know the first time in it was like hi I'm Niles and he came and he was like hi I'm Niles <laughs> and when he did that it was like oh perfect uh, you sound like him now that young man's getting a lot of work seems like everywhere you see he's in something constantly very talented group of people I think they're all gonna work but very proud of him but yeah he was another one where it just as soon as we knew we were circling back we were hoping he was still available, and he was. Another person that got just a short amount of time but was a, a, a great match was uh, future Deja. Um, did she come in kind of knowing Deja's mannerisms and voice and, and that kind of thing? She didn't know the part she was auditioning for. Oh. Of course, I don't know how you look in the mirror and like not know the part you were auditioning for, but we were very secret on the show. Um, many of the actors on the show did not know what they were reading for or being offered until they got the part. And then either I or Dan or somebody would call them and say, before you accept, this is what the role really is. So her first audition was very much as Latrice, um, which, and she doesn't feel, like as a human, she does not feel that much like Lyric. And then I, I called and I was like, okay, here's what the part really is, would you mind reading again and she was a fan of the show and immediately went oh and and then when yeah she read again like 
the magic happened. Yeah, like Deja walked into the room, and, and she really, like, her speech patterns and her mannerisms. and it Nailed it. It, it was eerie. Uh, Iantha, who played um, future Tess, also, like, she also didn't get a lot of screen time, but also eerie. A superb physical match. Superb. And then the few times you got to see her, like, felt like her, too. It just was bizarre. Yeah, so part of it was hard work on casting's part, but some of it was dumb luck, and thank God they walked in the door because they were great. <laughs> so it sound, I was going to ask, were there any nail biters? But it sounds like it might have been too, too, too many to count for, for how many were just like, when are we going to find the right person? Yeah, I did not know this, but during uh, our in-person concept meetings and then on Zoom, everybody loved watching my face when because there were times where we wouldn't get the pages and they would just tell us oh on the pages we're not putting out because it's all super secret this is what's there Mm -hmm. which was of course a little nerve-wracking for everybody but like they knew that my reaction would always be the best i always thought i had a great poker face apparently i did not were they like screenshotting it and sending it back to you (laughs) they just (laughs) it was on zoom finally where like i was like are they laughing at me right now and i asked and somebody was like oh yeah we get bored during these meetings we love watching you and they're like oh by the way we need another version of you know future jack uh he that that was casting him was the hardest somebody who felt like a pearson had to be a very specific kind of visually impaired great actor and they could have faked the singing but we didn't really want to Mm. It never looks right. It really doesn't. And it had to be a very specific age uh, to fit into the timeline. So that's a, that's a narrow place to, to operate. That was one of those times where I said, Dan, I, we may have to cheat a little bit here. And he said, Josh, that's not what we do. You'll find him. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that my wife and I bring to our podcast is that we are parents of children with special needs uh, our oldest daughter is actually deaf and blind and so we had and we'd been in the NICU and all that so so the parts of the show that dealt with that they had you know the TV sheen in order to get a, the timeline moving along but there was enough of it that was right especially seeing um, baby Jack and the various Jacks and uh, finally older Jack you can't fake that kind of visual impairment that effectively, especially with Baby Jack. And so we really, as, as parents that never quite see our kid on TV, we really appreciated seeing that happen. That's beautiful to hear. And it's funny, that was the one time where Dan had said, listen, I wrote something impossible. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, you can, if you can't find it, don't worry. And I don't know what inspired me, but I was like, no, Dan, we're going to find this kid. And and trying to find a two or three year old who's not really on he's not in school yet. Like right. I'm like, I don't know what where we're gonna And we did and he was great. I mean they wrote a whole episode around him. And his mom was saying that like the response like they were not looking for him to act, they were not looking to be in the business and we and they thought it was gonna be like an episode and a day or two of work and like um now he's got an agent yeah well we had we had to get him the agent we're like we we can't we didn't want to negotiate with her without her knowing like we wanted somebody to be their advocate right so we we set them up with an agent who specializes in um, actors with disabilities 
And um, yeah, he was an angel and was amazing. And 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 yeah, that whole episode was like all Jack Jr. Mm -hmm. Very proud of him. Mm -hmm. The episode where he goes to the park by himself was, I mean, for for parents of children and normal humans, it was you know pulse pounding. But for us. It was a nightmare come to life. <laughs> yeah, I do not have kids, and it was very, like, and I had palpitations reading that script, and, and everybody who did was, said it was one of the hardest episodes. Like, the director said I, it was the day where he went, you know, quote, missing, was the, the most nerve-wracking day of filming he'd had on the show. And he did some of our Vietnam episodes. Really? <laughs> yeah, like, he, it was, but... Yeah, he Johnny was such a little pro and had such a great time. I remember when I got the script. Of course, I hadn't met him. It was the pandemic. I didn't know what his ability, like his acting ability, really was. And that script is the equivalent of like a one-man show when you're talking about a kid who had, hadn't even turned three yet. Mm-hmm. And one of the producers was like, "Josh, he's amazing. Don't worry, he'll be able to do it." I'm like. Oh, okay. The singing. It was so good. Yeah. I mean, I I literally, in our podcast, I admit it, I had to tell myself mentally, you know, I usually like to, when I watch something, I dive in, go for the narrative, don't think about it. But in this case, I had to be like, I know his mom is right off camera. I know that there's another helper making sure that he doesn't stray off the path. Yeah. You just can't see him, but they're there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but it was still... Right. He still had to do it. Yeah, yeah, he still had to do it. Yeah, no, I was very proud of all of our cast, but he was especially, like, we got a lot of praise for it, but I really feel like that was, and I'm I'm proud that we found him. I'm proud that we didn't cheat and that we found a kid who was visually impaired, and it's really opened, I think, the eyes up to a lot of people in the industry. Like, okay, if we can have a three-year-old actor who can do this... um, yeah, and Blake was amazing as the older version of it, mm-hmm. uh, and Carl Seitz was the seven or nine year old version. Like we had a bunch of kids who did it, and it was all super successful. So, I am hoping that it serves as an opening door to a lot of actors with different disabilities. I hope so too. Um, I know that I know that there are. I've actually met someone involved with. Um, like a group, I guess an, an agency, that that's what they do. That is their bread and butter, is casting people with variable abilities. Um, particularly they were, I guess, like atypical, was in on that. Um, we worked on that too. Did you? Yeah, that we, that I worked. We did all the seasons. I was only on it the first two seasons. Okay. But, yeah, that was, it was funny. I was on in a lift on a way to an event. Uh, for This Is Us and the driver was telling me he really liked the show but had I seen this show Atypical it was his favorite and he worked with you know adults who were on the spectrum and Mm -hmm. I was in the back of his car crying (laughs) it was such a beautiful uh, and then he looked in his mirror and saw me and I explained why I was so touched that he had shared that with me. My other two kids are on the autism spectrum, and so we wow we wow. <laughs> we enjoy that show because it's it's a look at, at that kind of family that you never get. There's usually the point of that of a show that has someone with say that disability is usually centered around that, and that show kind of is, but it's more like fitting it into a family and 
going through all the other problems that a family has in addition to um, helping, finding the right way to support uh, a family member with, with special needs. And uh, so that's why it's so watchable for, for us. But a couple years ago, Bridget and Fievel were here, and so I got to talk to them. And they were charming as heck. I adore both. <laughs> both wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, it's, my, it's the best, it's the highest watched video I've ever made on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I am huge fans. I was, of them as humans and actors and their characters on the show. Super charming, nice, gracious, uh, yes, everything. Very smart, very funny, very talented. Well, thanks for your time today, Josh. I know you have another panel coming up. It's been uh, awesome to hear your, your stories about This Is Us. And uh, even though the, the show is over, uh, we've encouraged people to go back and rewatch because um, many of the of the plot threads that get finished up in the in the final season they start back then. Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, memory loss it was just here and there, but it happened in yeah. in the first season. So we encourage people to go back and enjoy it again. Um, see and enjoy your work all over again. Thank you. I actually I did a rewatch of the whole series. Um, as so that I was re, I was finishing the rewatch as it got to the finale. So yeah, I was. I think the whole crying thing is a little overblown. Like <laughs> if you're bawling every episode, like I highly recommend you get a therapist. Right. But like, yeah, like have a <laughs> glass of wine and relax sometimes. But like there were some episodes that, and obviously at the end, yeah, I was primed to weep uh, for those last few. I'm, I'm I I love. I love hearing your story. I love knowing how many people watched that show. And there are so many stories that people, like Kate's weight issues, Randall being in an in, interracial adoption, um, just adoption in general, the anxiety, like so many things got dealt with on the show. I was very proud to be a part of it because uh, it meant so much to so many people. So thank you.